Welcome to Five. Aqua JPIA staff will ask guests five questions. The five questions will focus on pooling, water, risk, HR, and leadership. Five responses with valuable information for JPI member agencies, boards, and staff. Thank you for listening. Please welcome our host and guest for today. Hello, and thank you for listening to Five. Thank you to David Hodgen for that wonderful introduction. And as always, thank you to Cliff Diver Music for all the music you hear in this episode. We have a wonderful guest today talking about uh, a subject matter that only a lawyer can describe. And to that end, I'm extremely happy to welcome Linda Bauermeister to five for five questions that we feel will be extremely helpful to our members. Uh, hello, Linda. Well, good afternoon, Robert. How are you doing? I'm well. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience working with public entities? I would love to. Um, I graduated from Loyola Law School in 1983 and had worked for the district attorney's office and went into a firm that was representing cities and police departments. So we pretty much handled anything that would come out of city. And then we also did a lot of the civil rights violations that involved uh, police officers at the time. In 1988, I started doing JPIA work, and in 1995, uh, school district litigation, and we, are, at this point in time, have our entire firm focused on solely municipal entity representation, cities, water districts, and school districts, and it is, you know, personal injury defense, civil rights violations, employment litigation, construction defect issues, soil subsidence, a little bit of fires here and there, Title IX violations, and handling uh, DFEH and EEOC complaints. So pretty much anything that a municipal entity would run into in litigation. Um, both my partner and I are members of ABODA. I, I lost track, but somewhere in there I've got more than 70 or 80 bench and jury trials. Um, I've also been giving presentations over the years to PARMA, the Public Agency Risk Management Association, CASBO, California Association of Business Officials, and uh, more recently, last year, a few presentations for COSIPA, um, so we've kept ourselves busy with also assisting with um, general research and knowledge in the areas of employment law and claims handling with those organizations. So we've had an opportunity to not only work on the files, but work directly with the employees of all of these different agencies to assist them and um, keeping up to speed on the differing areas of the law. Interesting. Well, today we're here to talk about encroachment permits, uh, which I know does not initially sound exciting, but actually is very, very important. And could you tell us why are encroachment permits important? And do you have any recommendations on what our members can do immediately regarding encroachment permits? 
Well, as always, I'm an attorney. I have opinions on both. Um, I think it's important to start with what an encroachment permit is, and it literally is a contract between the agency, uh, either city, county, state division, or Caltrans, and our member agency, a water district or irrigation district that describes the terms and conditions under which they are granted permissive authority to enter into that agency's right of way to conduct work. Sometimes it will be work that is planned in advance, and sometimes it's emergency work. And the thing that you start with with encroachment permits is what are the obligations under it? Because what a lot of people don't realize is an encroachment permit is a contract. And usually cities and counties, it's a one-page form. You fill out the front side. And on the back side, it'll have the terms and conditions that once you sign that, you are obligated to. Many cities and counties have a one paragraph that says something like, in consideration of the granting of this permit, it is agreed by the permittee that the city and any officer or employee thereof shall be saved harmless by the permittee from any liability or responsibility for any accident, loss, or damage to persons or property happening or occurring as a proximate result of any of the work undertaken under the terms of the permit and that all of said liabilities are hereby assumed by the permittee. That's the most common that we'll see. However, if a permit is pulled, such as uh, through the Department of Water Resources or Caltrans, their encroachment permits many times are four and five pages long. They have numerous obligations. And aside from setting out the risk transfer of you must indemnify that agency and you must provide insurance to that agency, they have additional obligations therein that indicate, guess what, every time we come out, and we inspect your work, we're gonna charge you for our inspectors. They also have obligations at the end of your job, you have to submit your as-built permits. So it's important anytime you enter into an encroachment permit, you make sure you understand all of the terms. So the terms aren't negotiable. So you just have to know what they are and abide by them. And that, like I've indicated, there's a big difference between most cities and counties and what state agencies such as Caltrans will require because they have forms that go on for pages and a difficult um, time-consuming application process whereby usually um, water districts and irrigations with cities that they're in or counties that they're in that they pull encroachment permits regularly. A lot of times you can just walk in with the filled out permit and get it that same day. And that's not how it works with the state. What's important is that the person or entity that pulls the permit now has the contractual obligation to abide by every term in that contract. And the thing I really want you to know is my biggest issue in the course of almost 40 years of doing this is that 
a lot of times the districts get antsy about the contractor hasn't gotten the encroachment permit, you know, the time's coming up to start the contract. And sometimes they'll send their own people down and have them pull the permit because it's in the city that they either do a lot of business or or that their building um, exists in. And when they send that employee down and pull the permit now, even though their contract may say the contractor is obligated to pull the permit and comply with the terms of the permit. Now that they have their name on it, they're the ones that are obligated. So my recommendation is unless this is an emergency repair that needs to be completed and conducted that minute because you have a major pipe burst or you have a hydrant that's spewing water everywhere and you need to cut into the city sidewalk, do not under any circumstances Pull the permit yourself. Send the contractor or the subcontractor because of the contractual obligations you're now obligated to within that encroachment permit that based on state law is not negotiable. You're obligated to it. So my second recommendation is that at your district, you know, water district or irrigation district, have a written policy that all encroachment permits must be pulled by the contractor or subcontractor and that they pay those permit permit fees and they're expecting that anyway. And they get reimbursed as part of the contractual process, but make sure all of your employees know through training and in writing, they do not ever pull an encroachment permit. And that protects the risk transfer process that you've transferred any risk of anything happening while whatever work is undergoing in the encroachment area to your contractor. So it's not going to come back to haunt you or the JPIA if someone gets injured or there's some additional property damage that occurs during the time that the work is going on. So my last recommendation on the encroachment permit training process is that whoever is responsible at your agency for the oversight of your contracts generally should be responsible for the encroachment permit process and making sure that it is properly followed and that those encroachment permits are not pulled by any member of your agency, but by the contractor or subcontractor. And I've even had cases in the past where, whoops, someone from the district ran and pulled an encroachment permit. And then later the contractor pulled another encroachment permit. And then there becomes a question of, well, who's actually responsible? And is it the first encroachment permit and the second encroachment permit? And you just don't want to be in that position. You want to make sure that your contractors are always the ones, again, unless it's an emergency, that has pulled the permit and or they've assigned it to one of their subcontractors. Because what you want to make sure is the risk transfer process is always protected. And you never want that risk transferred back to 
your agency. You want to make sure it stays with your contractor. Oh, those are some great takeaways that they can, uh, our members can look at right away. I like that a lot. Can you give us an example of when an encroachment permit plays an important role in a lawsuit? Uh, yeah, I certainly can. Um, we never know when an accident's going to happen, and that's why we have traffic control plans and we have inspectors that are out there making sure not only the work is being done to plan, but that it's done in a safe manner. And we had a case quite a quite a long time ago that uh, our district kind of got antsy about the permits and they just had one of their employees run over and pull a permit with the city. And a couple months into a job where they were widening a road and at the same time um, installing all new pipe. Um, there was a young man late at night who had figured out that sometimes there was still some gravel on the roadway. And he had this old souped up car his dad had uh, fixed up for him. And about midnight one night, he's on his way to the gym because, of course, all of us go to the gym at midnight. And uh, he lost control on the roadway and spun out and hit a piece of construction equipment and ended up being a C1 quad, um, which a C1 is somebody who needs a ventilator to breathe. And he was a week away from his 19th birthday. We had the case. We had beautifully drafted uh, indemnity agreements in the contract. We had the additional shirt endorsements we needed, and we did our tender to the contractor and the insurance company. As always, it took a little bit of time to negotiate all that, but they picked up the tender and they began representing both the contractor and the district. Uh, unfortunately, um, the city got sued as well. And after the city got sued, they looked to the district to provide their defense and indemnification. And it ended up going to trial. And we had probably eight or nine experts total amongst the contractor and ourselves. And we tried the case together. And the JPIA, unfortunately, ending up footing the bill for the entire defense and uh, later a very, very small part of the judgment in the case for the city because the encroachment permit had been pulled by the water district and therefore the water district was responsible for all the terms on the encroachment permit, which very clearly had a clause on the back that said full indemnity would the defendant indemnify the city. And secondly, that all insurance would be provided by the permittee who pulled the permit and that both the defense and indemnity would be provided. And we tried to tender that over to the contractor, but the contractor did what I would have done under the circumstances as well and say, well, no. 
the contractual obligation for a defense and indemnity on behalf of the city is the water districts. They are the entity that pulled and signed that permit. And as I indicated when talking about the importance of encroachment permits, they create a binding contract. Doesn't seem like it should, doesn't seem like that's fair to have all those obligations, but unfortunately, um, the case law in that area very clearly allows any entity that is um, issuing encroachment permits to set appropriate terms and indemnity and the provision of insurance is considered an appropriate term. And that person, her entity who pulls that encroachment permit is now responsible um, for all those terms. So although we were able to tender over and have the water district's defense picked up by the insurance company and the contractor, the JPA had to stay in and defend and indemnify and provide our law firm as a litigation counsel for the city. And in, in this case, uh, we were in litigation for quite a long time and the trial itself was two and a half months. So there was a huge litigation bill for both the attorney's fees, the expert costs, just the cost of trial. And uh, then the verdict that had the permit been pulled by the contractor, the contractor would have been obligated to provide a defense to both the water district and the city. And what the JPIA would have done in that case would have been, they would have had somebody like Mr. Greenfield go and watch the uh, trial and observe it and oversee it and make sure that there was enough coverage and that the case wasn't gonna go over the amount of coverage that the contractor had to protect both the district and the JPIA, but because the district had pulled the encroachment permit itself, you ended up with a contractual obligation that the JPIA now had to pay for both litigation costs and eventually part of the judgment. So that that's just a really horrible, you know, way to have something that up till that point everything had gone perfectly in the risk transfer documents and just rushing and getting excited about getting the project underway and having that simple mistake occur ended up costing a lot of money. Yeah, it really reinforces what you previously said about having a policy, being patient to wait and get let that contractor pull that permit. Absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely have a a written policy. And I would also, for my employees that are working in the construction area with all these contractors, definitely have some uh, seminars and meetings with them to go just keep reminding them because it's just so important not to have that risk sitting at the shoes of the water district rather than the contractor. Um, can you, uh, all right, another question for you is, can you tell our members something you wish more of them knew? 
Yeah, you know, um, I think I touched on this a little bit for any of those who who went to the town meeting at the end in May, because Andy kind of put me on the spot. But um, I wish the members knew that the JPIA and the employees that it has there are really not only their best friends, but the cheapest resource they have to get problem questions answered. Um, you have people that know about construction contracts. You have people that know how to obtain experts on pipe failures, metallurgy, soils analysis, all of these things that when there's some kind of a failure or a problem, instead of trying to do everything on their own, can go directly to the JBIA early on when an issue first arises and start talking to them to kind of help with some of the risk management issues that come up, not just on construction cases, but in the HR area. And all of those issues are things that I know for a fact, Mr. Greenfield, you have people in HR, you have people in work comp, you have people on the construction that are there as a resource for your members. And if any of you get stumped on something, I know you call your panel counsel because I get those phone calls. And I wish that the members, rather than feeling that they need to go it alone, would use the JPIA as the resource that you are. And that when something comes up, make that phone call. Because I know you have, like I said, panel counsel and other experts that you use that are literally a phone call away that can assist with some of the issues you know, that arise. And one of the other things that was discussed um, during the town hall um, meeting was that arising out of um, some of the fire cases that I worked, uh, the JPI went out of its way to find an amazing public relations firm down in San Diego that specializes in working with water districts and I believe other public entities as well because I've recommended um, our school district JPIA consult with them as well. Um, that's part of the coverage that you provide. And when things kind of get out of hand and you need some assistance in public relations or you need an expert or you need to figure out a, an a HR issue, I, I wish they knew that they could turn directly to the JPIA and have a resource right there and have you help them before the, a lot of these cases get into litigation. That's what I wish they knew. Well, thank you. And we don't know everything, but we have a pretty good idea where to find it and get you the resources as a member that you need. And I, I agree with Linda. It, it always helps to call us early so we can help you as early as possible. It's very hard for us to put toothpaste back in the tube. Um, Linda? What's your favorite part of working with the JPIA members? Um, well, it's pretty easy. Uh, I'm working with dedicated professionals who have an interest in not only providing 
the best water or sewer surface at a reasonable cost to the public, but also reacting to public issues and questions that they have. It's not like a typical business. They have a vested interest in doing the best job for their community. And I found that when I step in and help, and some of these cases go away at the claim stage, and you know, I've tried a few cases for you. Some of them don't go away, but they work with me every step of the way in managing the problem and finding a creative way of trying to resolve whatever the issues are. And I, there's virtually no district I haven't found that isn't open to suggestions and changes as we find things that have occurred and, and we kind of tweak maybe how they're handled the next time. And that's just really a novel way of working with people because we also do a, a fair amount of business litigation and um, it's not that way on the other side. And all of my interactions with the districts I've had the privilege of working with have truly been positive. And eventually I've always felt that the final outcome was a win-win, even if we paid slightly more money than they wanted on a case, but everybody worked together and got to the point where we came to a final resolution. And that's just solely due to the dedication the members have to their jobs, their colleagues and the public that they interact with daily. And it's, it's just really refreshing. Um, you know, I go to the conferences twice a year and the really great thing is I get to see the members I've been able to work with and get to know. And it's a great feeling that I feel when they interact with me and I see them later, it's still that team feeling like we all work together and we all got to where we needed to be based on everybody doing what needed to be in coming together and finding a resolution to whatever the matter was. And I just really enjoy that. And I, and I love having them come up and talk to me at the uh, conferences and, and get to see what's been going on and, and how their agency is doing. Yeah, I agree with you. Our members are the best. I, they have such pride in what they do. And uh, I like to say that they help build the communities in which they live in that you really can't have a community without water. And the fact that that's what our members do and the communities around them are built up because of the water and the service they provide. They're just great people to work with and talk to. And they're proud of what they do. And it's really enjoyable to be around them. They have a very positive attitude. Well, this has been really terrific. Um, Linda, could you, uh, in case people have more questions about encroachment permits or are interested in your law firm, would you like to give out some contact information? I'd love to. And uh, given I've been doing water district litigation for 34 years, I think I have a, a pretty good um, feeling for um, the level of dedication and commitment all of these people have. And I would be um, absolutely up to taking a phone call or an email if anybody has an issue with their encroachment permit or just generally wants to talk about policies and procedures. My email is Linda, L-I-N-D-A, at B as in boy, A-N-D, 
B is in boy, firm, F I R M dot com. And the phone number is 714-973-1075, extension 101. And if you cannot hunt me down, contact Zina, Z-I-N-A, my legal assistant at extension 102. Thank you. Linda, this has been great. Extremely informative. Uh, I like that there are some hard takeaways that can be checked real quick. Uh, thank you so much for giving us your time. I, I really, truly appreciate it. And You're thank welcome. you to everyone who's listening. Uh, please join us again for five, and, and we have more episodes coming. Please subscribe on either Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can also find us on the JPIA website. And thank you again to Cliff Diver Music. If you have questions, comments, uh, please either leave a comment on your podcast platform or you can email us at podcast at aquajpia.com. Thank you, Linda. And you're welcome. And thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Five. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review and leave a comment. Have a topic you would like to learn more about? Email us at podcast at aquajpia.com. Thank you to Cliff Diver Music for producing our music. And until next episode, thank you for making us a part of your day.